The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. October 31st, 2023. Ben McKee, Golf Balls 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center Studio. We appreciate everyone joining us this morning. I, uh, a lot of good things going on right now, Ben McKee. What's up, man? Good morning. How are you? Man, I'm I'm great. Look at you, man. You, you're back in Knoxville after crisscrossing the South and I guess Midwest because you were uh, there at Michigan State's arena in East Lansing. Are you well rested? You ready for today's show? No, not not at all. I, I am not at Perfect. all well rested. I am somewhat rested. I uh, it, it was a very, very long weekend. Not a fun drive from Lexington to East Lansing. I mean, there's absolutely nothing from Dayton, which is where I drove to after the football game on Saturday night. Nothing from Dayton, Ohio to the Ann Arbor area. And you're just passing nothing but fields in Northern Ohio. And you get into Michigan and they just have random construction lanes all over the place. And, and give you no warning that these lanes are coming up. Uh, so that that was not a fun uh, drive. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're doing okay. It, it was a good weekend for for Tennessee athletics. Uh, Tennessee with a with a very very nice win over Kentucky on Saturday night. Uh, Tennessee basketball with what I think was a statement win on Sunday in what was technically an exhibition. But Swain, I can tell you from being in the Breslin Center, it did not at all feel like an exhibition at all. That that was very, very, very fun, very competitive. Uh, felt like a NCAA tournament game, to be perfectly honest. And, and I'm not exaggerating. It really did. It certainly felt like a uh, middle-of-the-conference schedule, high-intensity conference game with a lot on the line, whether Big Ten game or an SEC game. It, it certainly felt like that. So... Uh, I, I am tired this morning, but it, it, it was cool to check off Michigan State basketball off uh, the bucket list. The The atmosphere there was very, very cool. Uh, the arena, the, the Breslin Center was very nice. Uh, it, it was smaller than I anticipated, but very intimate. They, they've done a good job, kind of like Auburn, 
uh, of striking that nice balance of not building too big of an arena, but also not too small of, of an arena. And I don't want to say it's as small as Auburn's arena, but it, it was it was intimate and they, they do a good job of packing that out. And, and the atmosphere was was very cool. So it was cool to check that off the bucket list after uh, Tennessee football picked up a, a very important win on Saturday night. Well, absolutely, man. It was good to see you on, on Saturday um, there in Lexington. It was a, a game that was not what I expected in terms of how Tennessee got to the W. Uh, I feel like Tennessee would get the W and win, but that's why we love the game of football. That's why we love sports because you may have a expectation of what you're going to see and then you totally see something different because each game is its own. And in the case of Tennessee, win 33-27, which before the game I did the UT alumni tailgate and was asked to give my score prediction. I said 34-28. to uh, Had Tennessee covering, but pretty pretty close there on, on the score prediction. Um, I didn't think that Tennessee would shut down Ray Davis and force Ray Davis to have his lowest input of the season. I mean, this is a dude that went ham, went crazy on Florida um, for almost 250 yards on the Gators, but could not muster up anything consistent versus Tennessee. Could not muster up more than 2.6 yards per carry. Could not get more than 50 yards in a football game. So kudos to Tennessee's defensive front, uh, front seven, secondary, getting in there and mixing it up. Um, I felt like, Ben, that Devin Leary would have to have his best game as a Kentucky Wildcat throwing the football for Kentucky to have a chance to win. And they had a chance. They were so close, but not close enough. 372. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Devin Leary was dealing and willing. It was his best night in blue. But Tennessee took another step forward, Ben. Another step forward. Tennessee had fourth down stops on defense. They had two scoring drives before each half. The four-minute offense at the end of the game was a clear sign of this offense improving, taking another step, and the quarterback, Joe Milton, taking a huge step from his performance last week versus, or two weeks ago versus Alabama. Uh, and so in the last three performances, we've seen Joe take these these steps we saw the receivers, Ben, that have been fairly criticized for our lack of playmaking ability on the outside um, with or without Brew McCoy. But we saw playmaking out there from Dante Thorpe. Welcome to Tennessee, Dante. Um, three catches, 63 yards, did a really good job of working with the quarterback. Um during the, the scramble drill. Uh, just so many good things, man, from, from this football game. And uh, I know we have an hour and a half to, to discuss it. 
Uh, we'll take phone calls, 865-255-03, the Swain Event text box, a.k.a. the Beatty Chevrolet text box, is open for you to uh, comment, ask questions. Um, the best part of the show is, is being able to provide a platform um, for, for folks to share what they what they feel without um, being talked down to. That don't mean I'm going to agree with you, but you can get it off your chest. And um, we have... You can voice your opinion, but just be ready to show your work. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. And, and again, don't mean I'm going to agree with you. Um, and it, you might, you might want to come correct as far as um, the respect. I've never understood this. From, from college football fans. And and notice I said college football fans. I didn't say one fan base. I never understood from college football fans that you have a team. This is your team. You've been cheering for this team for years. You support the players when they're great, when they're making plays, when they're winning. But if they're not playing up to your standard, why do you treat your own players worse than opposing players? I don't understand that. Why do you treat your own players in a way that is better, I mean, excuse me, worse than you would treat the player from Alabama or Florida or Georgia or Tennessee or LSU, or USC, Florida, like it just does not make sense to me at all. It does not, it does not make sense to me. Um, if anyone deserves grace, it should be the players of the team that you root for. If anyone deserves the benefit of the doubt, it should be the teams, the players on the teams that you root for. I've never understood why you would treat your own, you know, so so poorly. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, there's a lot of good in this football game, and guess what? This is this may sound new to you, to some folks. There's a lot of things to correct. There is not a perfect game, Ben McKee. We rarely see perfect games. Because in your eyes, what you think is perfect is not perfect. There is between 70 and 90 plays on offense. 70 and 90 plays on defense. There's, what, 30 to 40 plays on special teams. Maybe a little less. Not all of those plays are going to be perfect. Not every player that's playing on those units are going to have perfect grades. It's about winning your matchup when it matters most or winning your matchup most of the time. You wouldn't believe this, but Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't win every matchup. He doesn't. But he wins a lot of them. <laughs> and, the, and the ones he wins, he capitalizes. So, you take the best receiver in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., Ben, and let's say Ohio State's running 30 passing plays. 
Is Marvin Harrison winning 30 reps? No. Because if he was winning 30 reps and the, and, the, and the offensive line was doing their job and the quarterback was doing their job, Marvin Harrison would have 30 receptions in a game. Because why would you throw it to anybody else? <laughs> you wouldn't. But it's about winning the matchups when it matters. And you're not, and you're going to make mistakes. And you're going to lose some. It's about winning the right ones at the right time the majority of the time. And Tennessee was able to do that to do that uh, on Saturday. One well, the the criticism right now of Joe Milton is, is just ridiculous. Uh, has he played poorly at times this season? Absolutely, like but he has is. not played poorly the the last two weeks. And there are some of you who just want to criticize Joe Milton just for the sake of criticizing Joe Milton. Jo- Joe Milton cannot do anything well in your eyes regardless of of what takes place you have already predetermined that every positive play on offense is because something somebody else does and every single mistake on offense is joe milton's fault and the past two weeks especially on saturday night against kentucky you simply look ridiculous by thinking that joe milton played poorly or, or criticizing joe milton's play some of you are just predetermined that it's all Joe Milton's fault. And I I just don't understand how you can watch him play on Saturday night and not think that he played well. And it, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, Swain. I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, and you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't understand how you can pride yourself on, on being a great, loyal Tennessee fan, but you throw your own under the bus as as quick as you can. It ain't just Tennessee. That's why I was speaking in general. Cause it I mean, it, it it absolutely. It's not just Tennessee fans, but this is a Tennessee show, and we're talking about Tennessee football for an hour and a half. So, uh, and, and that's the criticism that that we are referencing. It's not just Tennessee fans. All all fan bases have have their their few that just talk out of the side of their neck, both sides of their neck, just time after time after time. Uh, that there were Alabama fans last year who didn't think Bryce Young was playing that well. Like it, it, it happens. It, it absolutely happens. But we again, we covered Tennessee, and and we're talking about Tennessee for this hour and a half. And, and I, I just there, there were some on, on social media, the message boards. Swain, I, you you were shocked when I informed you on the sideline on on Saturday night that some people were criticizing Joe Milton, uh, and and then you got a little taste of that yesterday on on social media. Um, but it, it, it's just no matter what Joe does, Joe is in the wrong to 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 some. And, and I, it's just it's mind boggling how, how you have just made up your mind because of things in the past that that won't allow you to see that he is actually playing pretty well in that particular football game. I am somebody who said I didn't think Joe Milton was good enough to go down and play well enough to win on the road at Alabama. And he played well enough on the road at Alabama to give Tennessee a chance to win. And he followed that up by, by delivering a terrific performance against Kentucky Uh, offensively, uh, a near perfect performance. I mean, there there were very, very few mistakes from Joe in that football game. It's, it's why his performance was from a completion percentage from an efficiency standpoint, it was one of the most efficient games at the quarterback position since Josh Dobbs in 2016. Again, just from a, a pure completion percentage. 
uh, according to Bill Martin on, on Saturday night. So uh, it, it, it's just baffling. And if you can't tell, it's a, it's a little frustrating, too. I'll, I'll say this last thing, man, because I don't, I don't want to. Um, like a you know, preaching to fans, but I, but this is what I've, this is what I've seen. Um, are we eight, what are we week, week nine? Going on week, week 10. Where are we? Week eight, week nine, week 10. I don't know. No, they're what? Six and two, seven and two. We are six and two. So week, week eight. And, um, I have seen the the criticism of certain players, and um, some of it has been fair. I have critiqued our units in certain um, play here and there. That's part of it. When you play football at the University of Tennessee, that comes with territory. And even more so when now you are – part of the NIL and you're able to, to, to earn some money. I think it allows criticism to come your way a little bit more, but there's always a line. There's always a limit, but I've sat back um, the whole season and just kind of watched everything. And Joe needed to play better as well as other folks need to play better. But I understand the quarterback responsibility comes with that position in the last two weeks when Joe has played winning football I haven't seen anyone come to his defense that I felt like they needed to coaches can't coaches can't you saw what happened with Dabo yesterday when when, when a coach really speaks his mind like that's a that's a lose-lose situation a lot of things that Dabo was saying was 100% right. The decision to say it was probably wrong, not going to help Dabo at all, but no one from Tennessee can come out and just defend Joe Milton because it's a bad look. Because you don't want to be labeled as Butch Jones. You don't want to be labeled as someone that's, that's paying attention to what fan base is, is saying when it comes to all criticism. I get that. Um. So I'm looking around like, man, who got who got Joe's back? And I was like, you know what? Man, I, I guess it got to be me. It got to be me. And if folks want to criticize me, that's man, that's fine. That's cool. Um, if you want to. I don't know why. Um, because I'm the first person to point out when he, when he needs to play better. But I'm also going to point out when he's played well. And that's being fair. That's being con- consistent. I was the first person to c- congratulate Joe Milton, or one of the first people, to congratulate him after the game. And, uh, man, I gave him a hug. I told him I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. Because he's played through injury. He has played under pressure. He has not had the um, ideal career, but he's continued to fight. He doesn't get in trouble. Um, He ain't been perfect, but he's gotten better. He's improved. And um, when you you wear that orange, like 
I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have some some grace for you. I'm gonna have some empathy for you. Like I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna call a spade a spade, just like I said, Dante Thornton got to catch the football last couple of weeks, and I felt like he was pressing. But I'm the first person to tell him how happy I am for him, how proud I am of him, how he continued to work. And when his number was called, he made a play. When I played here at Tennessee, man, it was it was all about their brotherhood. It still is. And guys that played before me, I looked at those guys as big brothers. And I got two younger brothers. I am big brother in real life. But I looked at those guys as big brothers who were older than me. And guys who are younger than me, they look at me as big brother. And one thing I disapprove in the media, NFL, NBA, is when guys finish up playing, they get a microphone in their face, and they start ripping, I mean ripping, the current players, calling them trash and garbage. I'm like, yo, you was once that player. You had some big brothers. You had some guys you looked up to. There's a way to critique without being disrespectful. You got a job to do. I got a job to do. Bing has a job to do. But there's a way to critique. There's a way to analyze the game without personally tearing someone apart. Because you ain't trash if you play at that level. You ain't garbage if you play at that level. You just need to play better. You just are in a rut. And several guys on our team, Joe included, They've had good games, they've had bad games, they need to play better, and they have. So I'm going to go to the phones. I'm going to take a break, but I'm going to go to the phones first. We're going to roll. We're going to hit the text box. We're going to go to the phones uh, throughout the show. We're going to have us a good time. Uh, I I don't feel right sitting back and watching dudes that are laying on the line, giving off of Tennessee, get ripped to shreds when they're playing well. And I'm not going to sit back and just not say anything. I don't think it's right. 865-255-03. All right, let's go to the phone. So who do we have with us? Hey, you got me. What's up? What's up? Is it Turkey Man? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Turkey Man. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding hey, me. You hit, you hit on, you hit on the, exactly what I was wanting to talk about. Uh, I guess from my point, I'm, uh, I'm cons- uh, amazed and tickled at the same time to see this version of Joe. Uh, he did some great things He uh, that he hadn't done in the past. He gets the first down and gets down. Keeps the clock running when we needed that. that. He, he was able to use his legs in the right manner at the at right time and, and move the chains and had more field awareness than I've ever seen him play as long as he's been here at UT. Uh, I, I've seen him, uh, I've seen him uh, scramble and throw from the run and hit a crossing pattern I have not seen. And he, he did it two times. And and I seen receivers, as you talked about, break and come back to the ball uh, that I had not seen uh, that. I seen a great – we would not have won this game without the play of Joe Milton. This game was the first game I've seen that we've uh, won that I felt that way. 
because I had not seen the version that we've seen. If we see this, if we've seen this version start of the year, uh, and I and like I say, the, I'm, I don't think he's heard the first of the year, but if we've seen this uh, uh, awareness, uh, I feel like that uh, uh, a lot of the stuff that's said would not have been said or a reaction. But uh, it, it brings frustration. I guess who I'm more tickled for than anybody is Josh Hoppel. Uh, I think I'm more tickled for him than anybody because he stood. Uh, he stood. He don't tell injuries. He don't. He don't give. He don't share information. <laughs> he, he he keeps it close to his vest. There's a lot of things he don't know. But the thing about it is, uh, what we've seen from Joe, and for most part, was what we'd already seen from Joe in the past. So, uh, so didn't realize injury had anything to do with it. That version of Joe Milton, he got he he made some money, he made some money on that version of Joe Milton, because that version is a winner and that version will win you games, and uh, he will get recognized accordingly if that version can can really continue forward. But one another thing I was going to ask you guys about real quick, because I know you guys are the callers want to call in, mm-hmm. don't get to talk to you like like I normally get to do, but uh, uh, that deal you. you Touched on on uh, Dabo, <laughs> and I don't I don't know if you've seen it all. Oh, I, saw or it. I heard it all. Oh, I heard it all. I mean, I mean, that that is that is gold. That is that's, and he, he was speaking some truth, but it, you got but you got to but you got to understand Dabo, and, and, and you got to hear the rest of the story behind. No, there's a story behind it. We know as a Tennessee fan a lot of what Dabo really is, but. Uh, that was comfortable. And the other thing was that uh, been talking about it forever and again, and I think I called in and talked a little bit about this, but that uh, Spygate, but the questions that they was asking Harbaugh uh, was was comical uh, in this press conference. But anyhow, I'll let you go, guys. Always good good to talk to you. Hey, thank you, Turkey Man. Keep, Much love. Uh, you too, buddy. Much, much love, Turkey Man. 865-255-03. I haven't seen Harbaugh's uh, press conference. I guess I got something to do a little bit later on today. Gotta check that out. But I haven't, I haven't seen his comments. But I did see Dabo Sweeney's comments. Man. That was entertaining. 865-255-03. It's Ben McKee. Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Live from the Low T Central Studio. Be right back. You're listening to the Swain event. You don't say. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Yeah! Hey, Knoxville. We all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. 
Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three, Swain Event Hotline. Thank you for making our program part of your morning. Let's go to let's go to the phone. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. We got Rusty. Rusty. Good morning, sir. Oh, hold on. There we go. Got you, Rusty. My bad. Now, Rusty. No, no. Good morning. I, I- I echoed I echoed myself a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you now. <laughs> cool. Hey, it's this this thing with a certain faction. It's uh, it's one of two things. It's one. Some people made the decision a couple years ago that what what Joe is, and they care more about them being right. So they want to point out everything wrong he does and never give credit for anything good he does it's simple it's they care more about their hot take a long time ago than they do about being fair to joe that it's it's that or the other side of it is people who are small and soft i don't mean you know physically i mean mentally small human beings that it's easier than to say sometimes football games don't go your way, than to say our quarterback's the problem. If we just go to the freshman, it'll all be fixed. Yes, that's not the case. So it's one of those two things. And and you're never going to change those people. If we would have had Twitter and lots of sports radio in the late 80s when Jeff Francis was around and, and when we transitioned to Andy Kelly, it would have been the same thing on those guys. They would have they would have had the same amount of people that were on them. Um, in during nineteen ninety eight, the first half of the season when T was completing like forty percent of his passes and we were winning by defense and and running Jamal Travis and Travis, 
he would have been getting it from the fan base. Um, it's, you're never going to change those people. They're just they're they're miserable, and that's who they are. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me know, Rusty. Because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fussing at you. I'm, I'm. I'm not fussing at you or being. I, I just want. I'm. I'm more talking to those people. No. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate the explanation because I just did. I didn't understand. You know, because I feel like being fair is more important than 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 being right yep. and stubborn, even when you know that you're wrong, and you continue to 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 try to beat the same drum because you you know you don't want to admit that. That you're off, and um, I I just don't understand that. I got people in my family like that, honestly, but I I don't oh. understand why continuing to to be wrong. Um, but go ahead, Rusty. I won't take more of your time. No, no, you're you're right. I don't I don't I don't get that mentality to not be fair and measured. But some people are never going to be fair and measured. This is they they can't do it. They care more about their own ego. Yeah. Um, Turkey Man made a couple of good points. A couple of the plays Joe made were really, really impressive. The the throw that people can argue whether Keaton got his foot in bounds late in the first half that, that on the long, long third down, but he, the flushing of the pocket and throwing that ball to the far sideline, 28 yards downfield, and, and in the only spot that Keaton could possibly get his hands on it that would still give him a chance to be in bounds, just world-class throw, directing traffic on the plate of Thornton when he's rolling left and throwing across his body. I think Hypel even mentioned in the press conference yesterday, we, we haven't really had any scramble drill completions, even last year with Hooker. I mean, we, ha- we might have had like two the entire year. One was a key third down against Florida to Fant, but it's just not something – when we had scramble drills, it was generally Hooker ran. Joe made some plays yesterday or Saturday, breaking the pocket and, and finding, the guy, finding the guy downfield with it, keeping his eyes alive, which was – I wasn't sure he could ever do that. I thought Joe could be a really good quarterback. I didn't know, know if Joe could make those type of things. And then the, the 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 being mentally alert with the run game, the sliding to stay in bounds, those different things were really, really great to see his maturation. I agree. I agree, Rusty. I mean, it takes two to tango. you got to have receivers on the right page on the same page as as the quarterback and the receivers have to understand um when they are on the sideline uh, and there's no room to go you either come back to the football or you go up um roll and take it up if you are running a crossing route then you have to stay uh in the eyesight eye line of of the quarterback and joe and, and thornton obviously talked about hey this is what i want you to do when i'm when i'm rolling uh, I want you to um, go inside. Um, usually, you would stay outside there, but those guys communicated. They were on the same page. That's why that scramble drill worked, because if Thornton yep. goes outside, maybe he catches the ball and is tackled right then. But Joe understood there's a lot of room and space to the middle of the football field, and he has the arm to make that throw, which every coach tells you, tell you don't throw across your body back to the – middle of the football field, but Joe has that yeah. strength and those guys communicated to be able to make that happen. Obviously they worked on it. You think they just come out and just did it for the first time uh, in the game? No, they've worked on it. They discussed that, but that's what happens when you spend time together and you work together over time. I mean, Thornton is new. He's new. 
So it, it takes time to have that chemistry, but that chemistry is on display on Saturday, Rusty. So, man, really, really good points by you, Rusty. I appreciate you calling, man, and, and sharing that with us. Glad to. Um, last thing, I want to I want to hear your thoughts, and I'll get off the air and, and hear your thoughts on this from, from both of you. Uh, who, who do you think is the top six tonight in order um, when, when the playoff committee, the only poll that really matters, comes out? Ah, top six. Okay. All right, Rusty, we got you. Top six, top six, top six. I need to write this down. Top six. Who we think the top six is going to be tonight? All right. We're going to come back to that, Rusty. Um, ben, right quick. I th- Kentucky had two sacks versus, versus Tennessee. We only had one. Uh, in the two sacks, and this is not like trying to slap the hands of people who are trying to always blame Joe for everything that goes wrong. This is just more of, of just trying to spit some game and trying to uh, educate our uh, football fans that may help them understand what they're looking at. So the first sack, both sacks occurred in the third quarter. Uh, both sacks were on third down. And um, one sack, the first one was an obvious passing situation. The second sack was on third and six, which most times you're going to pass it. Uh, rarely will you run it. Tennessee's up 23-27. Third down 12 with the 7-10 mark, Ben. And um, we're in the red zone. We're in the red zone. Um, we have a... Matchup advantage. There's five offensive linemen. There's four Kentucky defensive linemen. Kentucky dropped seven. There's not a lot of places to throw the football. When it's third and 12, you're in the red zone. They're dropping seven and rushing four. You shouldn't be in third and, uh, third and 12. This is a situation where you're probably going to play to make sure that you can kick the field goal. Again, you shouldn't have been in the third 12 in the first place, but but we were in it. Five offensive linemen, four Kentucky defensive linemen, and they still sack Joe Milton. That's not on Joe Milton, folks. That's not on Joe Milton. I know... Sometimes you want to point the finger at the quarterback. Get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball. But you got to have time. You got to have time. There's not many windows when seven guys are dropping in the red zone. So you want to blame Joe? Can't blame Joe on that one. The second sack. It's third and six. It's in the third quarter. Tennessee's up 26-24. Kentucky just answered. This is the 22nd. Uh, Mark, at the end of the third quarter. It's third and six. Kentucky Blitz. And I understand for those who watched the the TV broadcast um, after Oxidon had his sack because the color guy showed you on TV, oh, the Blitz is coming. But that doesn't mean that you have to freak out if you're the quarterback. 
That doesn't mean, oh, when Priest stabbed me, you, didn't, you know, he didn't identify the blitz. He didn't. He, it, it don't matter if they blitz because you know that you have six guys in protection. You have the running back. In this case, it was Jabari Small. So, yeah, Kentucky did bring a little funky blitz, but they only brought six people, which meant you you can, you can still block it. Now, it's one-on-one blocks, but you can still block it. You can still run what you're running. We had a backup tackle, and John Campbell Jr. was hurt. We had a backup tackle in, and our backup tackle just lost a rep. You had, it was hard to see, you had three by one to the wide side. You had a vertical route from the slot. On the outside, you had the receiver. I couldn't see who exactly who it was, but you had a receiver come open. But if Joe would have had normal time, Joe was hitting that. They received it to the wide side. Now, people saw to the short side, three by one, three to the wide, one to the weak. People saw the one person on the backside running the dig route. Shoot through it there. You shoot through it there. Do you know his progressions? Do you know where he is told to look on the snap of the football? There's always progressions in a passing game. There's one, two, three, four. Five. Sometimes there's a fifth option. Sometimes it's not. When there's three receivers on one side, more more than likely you're going to work to that side. There are times, and I remember this when Casey Clawson was a quarterback and you had Dante Stallworth on, on the weak side or you had Kelly Washington to the weak side. It's a short throw. You just throw it right there. But the way Joe's eyes went directly to the wide side of the field with three receivers lets you know that that's his progression. That's what he was coached to do. He's following his coaching. So it's easy just to hit pause on the TV, go back and shoot through it there. Well, you don't know what the hell his progressions are. So you can't say that. You don't know that. And it was man to man. And Joe didn't have any time again. Now, quickly, because I don't want to hog up all Ben's time here. They are situations where you know you only have five guys or six guys blocking, and you know that the defense, if they send seven, you are in trouble. If they send more than what you can block, that will trigger a blitz reaction. That means you have to get the ball out fast because you don't have enough guys to block what they are sending. And that is when a quarterback has to have recognition, pre-snap post-snap, and has to be really, really good at getting the ball out. Has to be good mentally. And you'll see slants. You'll see hitches. You'll see quick outs. You'll see go routes. But that sack that Kentucky got, the second sack, did not trigger a blitz reaction because we had six to block six. And again, that was on protection. That wasn't on Joe. All right, Ben. Um, what impressed you outside of Joe? Obviously, Joe was efficient. 
Joe did a good job. But what impressed you? What stood out to you in that Kentucky win for Tennessee? Uh, more big picture stuff, just Tennessee's response and resiliency to, to losing to Alabama and being able to turn around and, and go win uh, on the road in the SEC uh, against a rival. I, I thought I thought that was a program win. I absolutely thought that that was a program win. Uh, Josh Heupel talked about that post game. Uh, talked about the culture and, and the locker room being in a place and, and how that's not built overnight, how that allowed them to go out there and and win on Saturday night after the way the Alabama game went, physical football game in Tuscaloosa. Kentucky was at the house chilling, resting up, uh, and, and Tennessee went into Lexington, and they bullied Kentucky. Uh, they, they, they played Kentucky style of football and, and bullied them throughout the course of the football game. Uh, obviously, if you're Tennessee, you you did not like seeing Devin Leary and Barryon Brown and and Dane Key kind of pop off there. I I thought you saw how important and how well Kamal Haddon was playing yeah. and how how much his presence w- was missed. Um, because the the secondary I, I thought had a had a rough night. Uh, and I don't know Swain if if you thought it was because Kentucky was doing a good good job of getting the football out quickly uh, but there also wasn't a, a pass rush much of anyone generated uh, th- throughout that uh, football game so so not as great of a defensive performance as you would have liked I think you alluded to that in, in your opening comments just uh, how the, the game didn't necessarily play out in the way that you thought it was going to and I think that's what you were referring to is is the defense maybe not having uh, it's best night, but hey, at the end of the day, Swain, good football teams find a way to win. And a couple of weeks ago, Tennessee's defense picked up the offense against Texas A&M. And then fast forward a couple of weeks and Tennessee's offense uh, against a, a good Kentucky defense uh, picks up its own defense. So uh, I, I thought it was a culture win and a program win from that standpoint, just being able to be resilient after the Alabama loss and and then uh, the the Alabama or the offense being able to pick up the the defense and to me that was a, a season saving win it, it absolutely was um, because if if you don't win that football game then then there's no telling how things spiral maybe out of control uh, this last month of the season uh, you're probably going eight and four maybe seven and five if you don't beat Kentucky. And now instead, because you were able to regroup and lean on your leadership and go on the go on the road and, and pick up a conference win over your rival, you still have a lot to play for this month in November. You have some tough games coming up. I, I am fascinated with the Tennessee-Missouri matchup. I, I think that's going to be a really good football game. Uh, and then we all know what Georgia will be uh, the following week. And uh, if if at minimum you can split those two football games between Missouri and Georgia, you're, you're going into the bowl game nine and three with a chance to to win a tenth game in your bowl game and and secure back to back double digit win seasons and that would be a huge building block even if there were some frustrations throughout the course of the season and and hey best case scenario Swain again you still have a ton to play for because of of the win in Lexington you can win out and who knows you 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 may be in Atlanta first weekend of December playing for an SEC championship game and uh, Alabama LSU is big this weekend 
But who knows? Maybe you get a rematch with, with the Crimson Tide and, and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So uh, it was a season-saving win. And and although this season has been very frustrating at times for fans and the players and the coaches, there's still a whole lot to play for this this final month of the season. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee has a chance to go back to a New Year's Six game. Um, I mean, that's on the table. You, you beat Missouri. You beat Georgia. And, and Georgia, they're – Next couple of games are not necessarily easy. They should be the favorite, but they have to play Missouri and Ole Miss and Tennessee. So um, there's a lot that can happen in the next couple of weeks. And um, Tennessee finding a different way to win, I think, will be helpful because you never know how you're going to be forced to win. Will it be offensively? picking up the defense or will it be the defense picking up the offense? You know, after the game, I talked to Amari Thomas and, you know, we, we talked about that. Hey, there's times when defensively you got to pick up the offense, offense trying to um, establish rhythm and chemistry. And while that's happening, the defense is taking care of their job and making sure that you're not giving up a enormous amount of points, but you're still winning. And that was what was going on. Like people were complaining and, all this when Tennessee was was five and two, and I'm like, I mean, I, I want to win every game, but we act like we four and four like Clemson. There, you can get better. You can play different the next week, and so you play at home against Georgia. You play on the road in Missouri that won't be a hostile environment by by any SEC standards, but Missouri is a team that's capable of beating you, um, and that'll be a great challenge, man. But I was impressed, Ben, by um, even though he had one catch, it was four touchdowns, but you know, Chaz Nimrod being able to 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 get off the press, um, show some great technique for a young receiver. That's that's the biggest challenge, especially Chaz. You know, he's 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 not the strongest looking or, or the tallest or the the strongest looking. He looks like a guy that's going to that's going to beat you with speed, and, and so you can kind of tell uh, in that Texas A and M game. He started the game off catching a lot of slants, and he was getting tossed around like a rag doll. That should show you where his strength levels are right now in his young career. But for him to be able to win on the outside and press coverage, um, and, and get on top and score that touchdown, because that the catch was the easiest part. Um, the hard part is always at the line of scrimmage for guys like him, and he won that. That shows that he's improved uh, in that area. Uh, and Charles Campbell was was perfect on the day. Um, they don't win without him. I, I prefer not to kick four field goals in the game. <laughs> Red zone offense is continuing to still be you know a concern, but um, Campbell was perfect on the day, and that was that was super super important. I, I'll make another observation, and we'll have to take another break, but. 2021, Ben, remember how we scored right before the half? Right, right before the half, we scored, kicked the field goal. Um, last year, Tennessee scores 44 points, scores 44-6. Stoops has seen Tennessee's explosive offense up close and personal for the last two years. And I thought that impacted his decision to be aggressive at the end of the first half. Ben, because Tennessee got the ball um, 
with I'm pulling it up right here. I'm not sure exactly how much time uh, we got the ball, but here we go. Here we go. So we got the ball around the 25 yard line. 20, yeah, we uh, called a fair catch. This is after Tennessee gave up a touchdown. It was 20 to 10. Kentucky goes down and scores 20 to 17. Um, it's a minute and 46 on the clock. And you, like me, we're thinking, oh, that's plenty of time for Tennessee to go down and, and get points. Well, Dylan Sampson picked up zero yards on first down, so second and 10. Dylan Sampson picked up four yards. It's third and six. All right. So what do you do? What do you do, Kentucky? You got three timeouts. Tennessee ran the ball twice. What do you do? Do you call a timeout to give your offense time to go down and score? Because your offense was cooking, throwing the football. It was cooking all day, all night. But at that point, it was definitely cooking. Third down is when we made the pass to Ramel Keaton. But I was really shocked, Ben, that Stoops did not call a timeout to try to get the ball back. I'm surprised he didn't have more confidence in his defense uh, versus this Tennessee offense and say, you know what, man, we coming off a bye week. We've lost two already in a row. Like, our offense is moving the ball well. I got one of the best returners in the conference in Barry on Brown. I'm about to call these timeouts because I can't take him to halftime with, with me. I thought Josh Heupel in 2021, I thought Stoops had a flashback and said, man, I'm just trying to get out of here. I, I don't need to be uh, uh, too aggressive here because Tennessee may go down here and score. I'd rather give up three than seven. And uh, that's the Josh Heupel effect. That's what stood out to me uh, yep. in real time. Because in, in, in his postgame press conference, he didn't necessarily address that. He was asked about his decision earlier in the half mm-hmm. uh, to go for it in his own territory. And, and he said that he felt like he needed to score points because they were going to score points. So yeah. uh, I, I, I do think that he was content with the score being what it was at, at halftime and, and not trying to allow Tennessee to put even more points on the board, as you alluded to. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's offense played well on Saturday night, but up until Saturday night, the last couple of weeks, aside from that first half at Alabama, didn't necessarily uh, inspire confidence that, that Tennessee was was going to throw it back to the first two seasons of the Hypo era and, and just put up a, a ton of points on the board. So I, I was kind of surprised that he had that mindset in the first half, honestly, that he thought he was going to have to put up a, a bunch of points to beat Tennessee because Tennessee had not shown that all that often. Uh, to that point in the season. It's weird, though, Ben, because, I mean, you go forward on fourth down in your second possession, but you don't call timeouts to be aggressive to right. try to get the ball back before the half. Like, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah. hey, man. Well, me too. Well, whatever. 865 uh, Ben, I, I need some answers. You were at the game. You you had a better view than, than me for a lot of um, the things that, that go on during the game. Sometimes I have a better view than you, depending on what it is. But... In this case, you might have a better view to answer this question. To start the fourth quarter, Ben, what was Kentucky doing with all this smoke? I need you to think about that, Ben. I need some answers from you. 
I need some answers. I need to know, start of next segment, what was Kentucky doing with all the smoke to start the fourth quarter? 865-255-03. Be right back. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- Two five seven seven eight nine seven, or email me at Jennifer Morris eight six five at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes. Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Swain event fueled by Dan Barbecue. I told Ben I need to know what's going on with that smoke. What was going on with that smoke to start the fourth quarter? If you're watching on TV. You, you probably saw um, feel a little bit smoky, but boy, we got to tell you kind of how all it came about. Uh, but first, let's go to the phones. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Then we'll get to the Betty Chevrolet text box. It is Mississippi Vaughn. Mississippi Vaughn, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning, rest of all nation. A uh, couple points I have. I mean, Saturday watching the game, it was hard to follow my timeline and watch the game because I don't understand what people wanted from Joe. I even sent out a tweet, 18 to 21 over 230 yards in the touchdown and made good key plays with his legs to win that game. I don't know what was what, what was people about. That was winning football. And then I also pointed out, like, we had Ollie Lane, no disrespect to Ollie Lane, and a backup left tackle. And that goes with development and recruiting. And that's where I want to get to. Is Glenn Ellerby, like, the guy? Because 
we're we have we have these constant cl- couple classes where we're not getting developed. That's one point I wanted to make. And with the DBs, it's like we're there. It's like the we're not getting the um the technique right when the ball is in the air. Is that more on Willie Martinez teaching them those guys that technique, or that's just how we're playing defensive back? Um, other than that, that's the only two points I have, and I wanted to take your suggestion on that. And I'll hang up the list. Hey, thank you, Mr. Bivall, man. First, just want to thank you for your service. I know you retired. Uh, military, so you know, thank you, and um, and we, we appreciate you calling in this this morning. Uh, you know, to be to be honest and transparent here with you, um, as I try to do all the time, anyways. Uh, the good LB comment question, um, the the honest answer is we got to be better. We got to be better at. Um, getting more production from our, our linemen that we have signed in the last two offensive line classes. We don't have anyone that's currently playing right now. So um, in this, in this conference, in the SEC, taking a really good player, making him better is not good enough. You have to do that. I know you're making a face, Ben. I got you. Taking a player that you inherit and making it better is not good enough. You got to recruit good players and also make them better. Like you got to do both of it in this conference because the margin of error is, is so small and Tennessee has some good players committed right now. Tennessee is still trying to get George Seaton. Who's one of the top players in the country. And so I can't sit here and look at the two years of recruiting classes that we had offensive line and say with a straight face, oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 no issue, no deal, no no big deal, nothing to mention the fact that none of those guys are playing, seven of them. I think it's fair to say we got to be better. We got to be better uh, in, in that area. Um, with our recruiting offensive linemen, with our evaluating offensive linemen, and our development. You have to do all of it, all of it, in this conference. Not just one or two of those things. You have to do all of it. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Tennessee certainly needs to to take that next step up front. There, there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that Glenn Ellerby has done a bad job. He has done a, a good job working with what he's got up until – this point uh and, and to me there there's two points with this particular topic as of Halloween 2023 uh first you can't not give him credit and i'm not saying that you're not giving him credit for for taking what he inherited and developing those guys into very quality sec starters like darnell wright was 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 not in a great spot when Glenn Ellerby arrived in Knoxville. Uh, Jerome Carvin improved under Glenn Ellerby. Javante Spragans, Cooper Mays, Gerald Mincy, John Campbell Jr. Uh, these guys have all gotten better under Glenn Ellerby. So I, I think he is doing a good job of developing. I, I think that's on, on one hand. 
Now, on the other hand, it is fair to wonder where the last two offensive line classes are at. That is absolutely fair. Um, But I, I do think it's also fair to understand that the the last two offensive line recruiting classes that they, they consisted of guys who who are more developmental offensive linemen and the development of offensive linemen is different than the the development of what Josh Heupel called last week players away from the football players further away from the football Josh Heupel I think on vol calls last week said it's easier the further you get away from the football the easier it is to get on the field quicker uh, because you have less I don't know if less responsibilities is, is the right way to put it but it, it's not as physically demanding as it is in the, in the trenches uh, and the last two offensive line classes Glenn Ellerby has brought in developmental prospects at that position because of where Tennessee football was at when he took over for Jeremy Pruitt, where this entire staff took over for Jeremy Pruitt, there, there were some some issues that they had to deal with in recruiting. When, when I was talking to a, a recruit in year one that was an offensive lineman, uh, a high caliber offensive lineman, he he said that he didn't feel comfortable coming to Tennessee at the time because he didn't know what the NCAA investigation was going to result in. I mean, they they were having to deal with kind of those re- recruiting restrictions with that cloud hanging over them. And that's no longer an excuse and look at the class that he's been able to put together currently. So uh, it, it, again, it's fair to wonder where those guys are. The, the last two recruiting classes, I just think they're more developmental prospects than what he has coming in this upcoming cycle. And, and when you look at the development timeline, Swain, in my opinion, that's like a two to three year process. If you, if you bring in, a project or, or a guy is going to take a couple of years to play at that position. To me, that's two to three years. And we're kind of at the beginning of that two to three years. So I, I don't think it's just fair to say that the book is completely out on those guys. Now, if we get into to training camp in August and those guys still are not in a position to where it looks like they can contribute, then I think the that conversation becomes even louder. But I, I just think it's a, a little too early to have this type of conversation knowing what he took over when he got here and he took the players that were already here when he did get here and they got better under his guidance. It's year three. Um, this is, this is a meat grinder to, to be at this level in the SEC. Um, I don't think you're disagreeing with he has to be better. And that's, that was, that was really my point. He has to be better. Like you can't win in this conference recruiting just a bunch of developmental players on offensive line, defensive line. They got to be a part of the class, but they can't be the entire class. Like if you, if you go out and recruit five offensive linemen in a class, they all can't be developmental in Tennessee's position. And when we took over the job after Pruitt, we looked at the roster. We knew Darnell Wright was an NFL talent that he was going to be gone. We knew Jerome Carvin. He didn't. He didn't wake up one day and was a senior. Like we we knew how much time we had with those two, and so in knowing that, you have to recruit, knowing that you're going to have some voids, and when you have those voids, 
you can't fill those voids with just de- developmental players who may be ready in year two or year three because you need a dude who's going to be ready sooner because you have these two guys that's going to be gone. And so, yeah, like Coach Former used to recruit developmental guys, guys that would play um, after their second year. You know, Ramon Foster. Like, no, Ramon wasn't expected to come in and play day one, but he didn't have to because there was there was a plan. There were guys already playing. You know, Chris Scott didn't come in playing day one. But when it was his time, it worked out. Our roster situation, when these coaches inherited this roster, said, you can't just go out and get developmental players at offensive line and be where you want to be in year three, year four. You got to get some dudes that, can play like Wanye Morris and like Darnell Wright. You have to get some of those guys mixed in with other guys. And my whole point, while acknowledging how Glenn Ellaby has done a good job developing um, some of my players, he has to be better, just like a lot of other coaches have to be better in recruiting because it's only going to get harder. We're not at Central Florida where you can just take some guys who may be fast or some guys who may love football a lot or a guy that, you know, he's going to be good in year three and can and expect to compete against teams who are getting first and second year contributors. Like, it's just not going to work if you want to be where you want to be uh, from a win, you know, loss standpoint. Like, it's not going to line up. So you got to be better, I, f- I feel like, in recruiting when it comes to evaluation. If you're not going to get a top-tier guy, then you just can't miss. Like, we are in a position right now where you just can't afford to miss because who you got at offensive line next year, Ben? That's on this, well, you, on, that's the, on this squad right now. Like, I mean, you could, you, could, you could have almost everybody back, depending on how some of these decisions go with, with the veterans. I mean, technically everybody but Ali Lane can return. Um, okay, so which, what, what if what if what if they don't? Yeah, now that that is one thousand percent. That that is a what if they get that hurt? Is a, that that's wanna, a fair question. Yeah, you just want to avoid. You just want to avoid the position that you were in. You know, at the beginning of the year, like you you can't allow yourself to be in that position again. Um, so you just you got to recruit. You got to have a plan for your backup center. Um, you know, you got to put. Uh, but the player, they deserve responsibility and accountability too for for making sure that they're um, that they're ready. But for every player that we have done a good job of developing, we're also missing a player that took a step backwards from last year to this year. And I don't want to just tell one side of the story and just push one narrative. I want to tell both sides, but Jeremiah Crawford took a step back. Is that more Jeremiah Crawford? Is that more Ellerbee? Is it a combination of both? I don't know. But Jeremiah Crawford was awesome last year against Alabama, was awesome um, in, in certain situations. But this year, he goes in for John Campbell, and we get, get beat. So, like, you, you can't have that big of a drop-off moving forward 
on the offensive line. If you want to be where you want to be, and you're playing a true uh, a redshirt freshman quarterback next year, Nico, who's still gaining weight, you got to protect him. So it's a little bit of both, I think, Ben. I think you identify where LLB has done a really good job developing, but you also have to say, man, we got to be we got to be better at evaluation, closing your recruiting, and development uh, when they get here because if we're not, we're not going to be the offense we want to be. Yeah, I, I just don't think that you can build elite offensive line depth in this league over two off seasons. I just don't. I'm sorry. I, I just don't, especially with, with what Tennessee – uh, had to deal with when they first got here that they were in a position to where they had to go take developmental offensive linemen because the Wanya Morris's of the world did not want to come to Tennessee because of what Tennessee that. had been the last couple of years and 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 the investigation. You, you may know this, but there are people who who, who do not know this and are. Well, I'm not saying elite. I don't. I don't need elite, man. Like, why not? I want elite I, offensive line depth. Well. Yeah, I would love elite, but like who who out here has elite elite? Like I, that's oh, okay. the goal, but we gotta we gotta be at least better than having seven linemen in the last two years and none of them have played. That's 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 the the, I, the red flag. I don't. Yes, one thousand percent. I yeah. don't disagree with that whatsoever. Yeah. I'm just I don't think that you can get to where you want to be within two off seasons, given where you were. And you you had you 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 had slim pickings, the the first two offensive line classes you you did because of where Tennessee football was when Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel took over and what did they do to supplement that? And this is something you, you're talking about recruiting and and finishing in recruiting. Well, does he not get credit for finishing with John Campbell on the recruiting trail and, and Gerald Mincy? And and them being able to come in and, and contribute right away. And, and I know Gerald Mincy has been a knucklehead at times, but he has gotten better as a football player under Glenn Ellerby. Uh, I, I think the the Andre Carrick take may be questionable as of of right now. That that's one that that does not look as as beneficial of a, of a transfer as Campbell and, and Mincy. But they they've brought in guys to to help supplement the the developmental high school guys that they are also bringing in until they can get to a point which I think they have now reached uh, of where they're not recruiting with with a cloud hanging over their head and that's why they've been able to have a a, a successful recruiting cycle up front in this particular class so uh, it, it it is a a red flag I, I just think there there are reasons there and, and not excuses why Tennessee is at where it is at I just don't think that you can build quality depth that is necessary in this league based off of where they were and, and through just two off seasons. Well, my, my point is we have, we have to be better. Um, and we have to be as simple as that. Like at the end of the end of the day, the Tennessee offensive line has bullied some really quality offensive lines since Cooper Mays came back. And, and yes, you, you don't want to be in that position. Uh, but like it, it just kind of is what it is because of of where they were in 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 my opinion and like again you, you bullied a And M a really good Texas A and M defensive front lost to Florida we lost to Florida because of offensive line without Cooper Mays and you, and so you, again and that's my point like you you can't allow yourself to lose a game because of one player that's where depth 
That's where making sure that you don't miss in recruiting. That's where, you, you know, development. That's where it's so important in this league because, the, again, the, that margin of error is so, so slim. Yes, Cooper in the offense line taking steps and recognized on a John Moore award, but we can't ignore what happened at Florida with one player not not being out there. Like, you, you can't I'm lose not. games like that to an inferior team because of offensive line going into year three. So that's why I'm saying we just we got to be better. Like, I'm not ripping anybody and saying, man, we got to replace dudes. I'm just I'm just keeping it real. Like, we got to be better. Do you think Glenn Ellerby should should be let go this offseason? What did I just say? I don't, I'm not ripping them and saying that we got to replace them. I'm saying we just got to be better. That's exactly I'm, what I'm, you said. I'm, I'm getting to a point. No, absolutely not. He just, we just and that, that is what I am speaking to. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with, with anything you're saying about Cooper B. Mays and like you should never allow yourself to be in the position that they were in in the month of September. Yeah, I'm agreeing with yeah. all of that. I'm speaking to the Mississippi Vols question, like wondering if he's the guy. And I'm not saying that Mississippi Vol called in and was like, hey, we, we got to get Glenn Ellerby. But it was still a question, right, of yeah. questioning if, if Ellerby is, is the guy for the job. And there have been other extremes. People have texted me last week wanting Glenn Ellerby fired. No. There's a message board that doesn't think Glenn Ellerby is good enough to do the job. That is what I am speaking to. I'm not speaking to what what you are and saying, like, you can't be in that position. You need better depth. But I'm speaking to the people that think he needs to be fired. That is ridiculous. Okay. Well, you didn't say that at the beginning. So, you know, I'll just answer what Missy Bivall uh, asked. Now, if you were referring to you know, folks that want him gone then i understand why you're taking that stance but um i'm saying we just gotta be we gotta be better because we can't be losing teams no doubt about that inferior to us because one dude is not not playing um that's where you gotta have better depth uh and then the question from mississippi ball on the secondary now i I get text messages in the game man we gotta turn we gotta look for the ball and it feels like that has just been regurgitated so much that people just say it and don't understand, like, when it's um, applicable, applicable, applicable. Uh, they don't understand that. Well, when you're in trail technique, you're not supposed to be looking back because you slow up when you look back. You are supposed to play through the DB, uh, the receiver's hands. And I thought Kentucky's receivers made some good plays. I thought the the play that Barryon Brown made on Danico Slaughter was, I mean, I, I, that was just a, that was a really good play. Uh, Danico ripped through the hands, um, but Danico just was unable to to break it up. You can make the question, well, don't get in trail technique. That's cool. Well, that goes back to recruiting and, and getting you know better athletes that can run and, and turn. Um, I, I've talked to Jonathan Wade about this at length this year about what is taught about when to look back, when to to be in, in that position where you're playing through the, the, the receiver's hands rather than looking back. There's times when you post a look back, and there's times when you can't look back because when you look back, you slow up. You gotta you gotta keep your eyes on the receiver and run through uh, the receiver's hands. So um, our DBs. In Kentucky game, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they shouldn't have played better. Absolutely should have played better. But the 
pass rush and the coverage is always linked. And when you don't have pass rush, it's really like seven on seven out there. And uh, I thought Devin Leary deserved a lot of credit because he threw one corner route to uh, Key. He threw it before Key came out of his breaks. And the ball was perfectly thrown, placed, and Key had no choice but to catch it. You can't cover that. <laughs> like, that's that's an uncoverable play. So, um, of course, we got to be better in the secondary from the Kentucky game. We got to get a pass for us. Some of it was Kentucky doing a better job in the pass pro. Some of it was, uh, man, they, they, they don't want to call any holding calls at all. Um, I think it was a little bit of a mix of both, though. Um, I think Saturday did teach us that Kamal Hatton, and you mentioned this, Ben, Kamal Hatton, uh, more more valuable than maybe what people people thought. Kamal Hatton was having a career type of uh, year. All right, let's go back they to the need, phone. They need so, some of those veterans to to step up and, and help replace his loss. They need to get Danico Slaughter back on track. And Gabe Judy Lally, I think he's been really good this month. He, he needs to continue that. Um, but like a Brandon Turnage, a Warren Burrell, somebody like that who, who's been in the program for, for several years now, they, they, they need to step up and provide some quality depth. Yeah, Danico's coming back from that toe, and I was a little concerned about him playing on turf turf with the toe is a little bit harder than playing on grass. But, um, I thought the Nico was in the position now on the dig route that he caught and spun back on the Nico. That wasn't the Nico's finest moment, but Hey, that happens, man. You play this game long enough. You're going to play against dudes and make plays against you. You got to bounce back and play the next play. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. Who do we have with us? Justin down in Florida. What up, Justin? Not much. How you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, hanging in there. Actually starting to enjoy a little cooler weather down here in Florida. It's nice for a change. Don't even start. What's the temperature down there? Uh, I think it's going to be 82 today. Dude, shut up. Shut <laughs> up, man. You got Ben over here in the sweatshirt. It's 44 degrees. You call here talking about some, man, I'm just glad that it's going to be cooling down down here. It's going to be 82. Man, shut up, Justin. Yeah. This entire, listen, I don't even want to hear it. This entire summer was the seventh circle of hell down here. It was so hot. And, you know, you guys are up there and you get that, you know, low humidity, 90 degree day. All right, it's down enough. here. It's 115% humidity and. All right, fair you know, 97. Come on. I'll shut up now. And, and uh, we don't have to deal with the natives of Florida. <laughs> no, br- brother, don't even don't even get me going. Yeah, don't I'll even get up. me going. It's painful. The floor's yours. But, yes. Okay, so with regards to, you know, the O-line, I think what, uh, Ben, I, I do agree with you from a standpoint of you can't build an O-line overnight, especially in the SEC. It does take time. Correct. Now, question becomes some of the the evals, some of the you know recruiting focus. I mean, it feels like you know we've got some guys with some potential. They just haven't you know tapped into it yet. But I mean, there's you know next year is going to be year four, and the guys that we're looking at on this offensive line this year that are dependable are the ones that could very easily be gone. I guess where I'm going with it is what is sort of that plan? Because 
if it does take three years, I didn't see it in year one, year two. I'm, I, I do see it in this class that we're finally getting guys that it's like, okay, we can see them be contributors within that two to three year window. I mean, this program and this offense especially is not going to survive having to wait until year five, year six to have a solid offensive line. I guess what kind of worries me, and I don't think this just applies to O-line, because I also think it applies to our wide receiver room. The wide receiver room so far this year, yes, they're playing better in their last two games, but for the first half of the year was awful. And it was definitely a step back. And it feels like as we're starting to get a little further away from the guys that remained here, that more of a Klieg light is being put on the guys that are being brought in. But I will also say, Ben, and my pushback on the Ellerby thing is we were also left decimated on the defensive line, but we've seemed to really turn that around real fast. And I, we all know a lot of that has to do with Rodney Garner, which I think warrants the question with Ellerby. It's like, well, if Rodney Garner's doing it with the defensive line, can we at least get something similar? It doesn't have to be that same level because Rodney's the GOAT, but you've got to see something more from Ellerby. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I do not disagree at all that the, the offensive line needs to to get better, that there is more, there's another level that they need to reach. I, I, I don't disagree uh, w- with that at all. I mean, the, the Rodney Garner comparison, I think you kind of said it yourself. I mean, Rodney Garner is a better defensive line coach than, than Glenn Ellerby is an offensive line coach. <laughs> and, and that's no disrespect to Glenn Ellerby. I yeah. mean, Rodney Garner is oh, one of the best assistants in, in, in SEC history, quite frankly, it's, yeah. especially along the defensive line. Uh, so I, I definitely think that they need to take a, another step. I, I'm not at all trying to, to say that they don't need to take another step because they absolutely do. And, and there are some some red flags that, uh, within the last two classes or so of offensive linemen, I guess technically three classes, like there, there's not, there, there doesn't seem to be somebody that's ready to play going into to next year. I mean, there, there, there doesn't. Uh, and right now, for for next year's offensive line, like you, you really need John Campbell to decide to return, or Javante Spragans and Cooper Mays. Gerald Mincy, like you, you're kind of hoping next year's offensive line hopes are are really laying in the hands of those guys, and and if those decisions don't go the way that you want them to, then you're going to have to hit the portal pretty pretty hard, um, because again, there's not a ton of depth but behind them that makes you feel comfortable that that they're going to be able to contribute next season. Uh, so that that is that is a huge concern. I, I think right now the the answer to your question of what does the offensive line look for next year? Well, if those couple of guys that, that can come back, if, if they don't, then you're going to have to live in live in the portal. I think you're going to have to live in the portal regardless. I mean, I think, you know, to your point, Ben, about having the backups, I mean, we can't go through another, you know, or going into the season where it's like, okay, we have five starters, and then after that, let's hope and pray. I mean, you've got to have a defined center available. You've got to have multiple guards that can step in and contribute if needed. I mean, guys are going to get hurt. You know, one thing I will say, and I hate pointing this out, but 
I mean, there's been some regression with some of the guys. Like, I mean, Swain mentioned, you know, Crawford. I hate bringing up and calling out, you know, guys that maybe have taken a step back. But there are two guys from last year that returned. I just don't, like, I I think there's something lacking. I mean, like, going into this year, they were talking about Spragans potentially going in, like, a top two round, you know, type uh, projection as a guard. And I think this year, you know, probably not looking that way. Um, you know, do I think he's, uh, fallen way, way down? No, but he's definitely taken a step back. Now that could be uh scheme. It could be, you know, what he's being asked to do this year. It could be the guys around him. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's probably one for Cole Kublik. Well, I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you, Justin Cole, because uh, we had him on on Josh and Swain, Cole oh, okay. said that those first second round dra- uh, draft pro- projections were off, and that wasn't fair to okay. Spragans. Okay. Uh, he, that he was getting those, he did not see that. He he loves Spragans. Uh, he thinks Spragans is a pro player, but he didn't feel like those first second round grades were, were fair to him, anyways. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. well, and I, I also okay. think. Spragans has been much better in October than he was in September, and that that certainly correlates with with Cooper Mays coming back, and and maybe you wouldn't like to to see it correlate w- w- with the center coming back, but uh, as Cooper has come back, I thought Spragans has has turned his play up a notch uh, and played really well the, these last couple of weeks. Yeah. All right, Justin. We got well, we got we yeah, got to run, gotta, my man. I got to run myself. You guys take care. Hey, thank you, thank you. Um, see what you did, Mississippi Vol. A65 25503. <laughs> Let me hit this uh text box, Betty Chevrolet text box, BettyChevrolet.com. Uh, SUVs, pre owned trucks, starting as low as 19995. That's BettyChevrolet.com. Vol 85 says, after hitting the hooker, most people correctly thought that this would be a down year compared to last year with Nico probably being the future and so much possible movement with the offensive line and D line, what would you consider a good year next year? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know yet. It's kind of early to, to identify what we consider a good year win loss record wise. Um, and we haven't even hit the spring yet. It's, it's hard. Uh, Vol fan. Can we find a way to keep John Campbell, Cooper Mays, Spragans forever? I love them all. They play so hard. Each have such unique and fun personality. Well, this is what the NIL is for. This is for um, to, to, to reward the players that are already in your program that have shown you what they can do instead of using NIL to go sway high school players and, and you know promise them a certain number when they haven't done anything. Now, I've always found it a little weird and a little uncomfortable that 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 in the NFL, and this is before this was the year right before Jameis Winston, where Sam Bradford was getting paid more than quarterbacks that already made the Pro Bowl multiple times. But Sam Bradford was the first overall pick and got sixty million dollars, and they changed the rule. NFLPA was like, "Yo, that don't make any sense." And they changed it. I'm glad. Now you go you. Tear it up in your first couple of years, you get the second contract. You deserve the world. You deserve the bank. So, this is what the NIL I think could really help us with 
retaining some of those guys that have an opportunity to play at the next level, but maybe their draft grade is not high enough for them to go. Take care of them. I think we will. Uh, Rodney Nostel says we need to invest in offensive linemen like UGA. You win on the line of scrimmage in the SEC. Uh, Melissa Watts says I'm at work, so I have to listen later, but quick question. I'm still seeing a lot of criticism of Milton. I thought he looked great on Saturday. Now, I never played football apart from flag with friends, but I grew up watching it. Am I missing something? What are these folks seeing that I'm not, or are they just ignorant? Um, this week, ignorant. This week. This week. If you, if you want to criticize, you know, Joe from early in the season and critique him here and there, cool, whatever. But you doing it this week from Kentucky game? You look silly. Dude, dude was awesome. Mississippi Vol says, um, I do not think LLB should be fired. My question was more about the development of the last two classes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why Mississippi Vol has a question about the development in the last two classes because in the last two classes, not one of those guys have played. So they haven't seen them and playing the game. I haven't seen them in practice because – I don't go to every practice. I ain't been to practice since uh beginning of the season. And so uh, we'll probably have a better answer bowl game when those guys are getting majority of the reps uh, when they practice in Knoxville. And that period of time is designed just for development. Um, but no, I'm an LB fan. But we just, we just got to be better. Well, I mean, I don't know yeah. what's wrong with saying we got to be better. I, Nothing. Like, we had a Blitnikoff award winner last year. Guess what? We got to be better. Because you lose Ramel Keaton. You got Brew McCoy coming off of a serious injury. You got Dante Thornton that his breakout game was almost in November. Three catches for 63 yards. Y'all, listen, listen. Let's not act like we don't know what's going on. Y'all saw this offense in the first two years. Y'all saw what was out there on the outside in the first two years? Y'all saw the receivers? We, we got to get better. Cool. Let's go do it. We got a lot to sell. We got a lot to offer here in Tennessee with this offense. But but saying we got to get better is not saying, man, you got to fire that coach. That's, that's not the same thing. We got to get better. And those coaches will say the same thing. We got to get better. That's why they're recruiting right now. It's okay to say we got to get better. Um, ben, you find out what was going on with that smoke, Kentucky game? Uh, they, no. It was dumb <laughs> as all get out, though. I mean, the, the fog was already rolling through pretty thick, and, and then you're going to fire off fireworks to, to, to add to the smoke to, to where nobody in the stadium can see. That 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 was ridiculous. They they had two smoke machines on each side of the field. So end zones they had two. Both sides of the field they had two. And to start the fourth quarter, they just started letting the smoke go. They told the fans to throw their fours up for fourth quarter and turn the flashlight on on your phone. And for a little bit, there was no music playing. And they started playing some music. And I guess that was supposed to, like, hype hype folks up. And, it, it like, it did for a little bit. It did. Um, but 
I need somebody from Kentucky. And I know Harbaugh is under fire for sending people of his staff to other games to scout. I need somebody from Kentucky. I need y'all to go down to, to, to Alabama. I need you to go over there to South Carolina. You, you come up here or come down here in Knoxville. You, you want to see what the start of a four-quarter hype looks like to get the crowd into it? Come down here and take some notes. Go down to Columbia and take some notes. Go down to Tuscaloosa and take some notes. That wasn't it. Like, I was trying to hold in my laugh, man, like like Draymond Green when, when Fergie was singing the national anthem in the All-Star game a couple years ago. Like, I was trying not to laugh. It was, it was, it was hilarious. And then Tennessee's last drive that started, it looked like we started at the 50-yard line. And this is why I'm so you know, happy for, for Joe and his offense because they were able to pick up first downs and run the football in the four-minute offense when everyone in the building knew what we had to do, and they still couldn't stop it. But Tennessee up 33-27. We get the ball, start the drive, four minutes and 24 seconds. Dylan Sampson, five-yard run. And then a short pass to Dylan Sampson, six yards. And then a rush up the middle for 24 yards. And then another rush for three yards. And then Milton rushed for 11 yards. Like, that was masterful. But during that drive, Ben, I don't know if you noticed this, but I did. It was not loud. It was not loud. They were nervous. That's the time you're supposed to be the loudest. Yep. Supposed to be the loudest. Well, I tell you what, they uh they were mad after the game, though. <laughs> they were mad at the title losing Tennessee. You be louder. Should have been louder during that drive. I guess they were saving all the energy for the post-game videos of them yeah. expressing their displeasure with losing Tennessee, but you should have been louder during that last drive. That's what you should have been doing. I mean, that was... That was... That felt like a home game on offense. The crowd was quiet. 865-255-03. We'll come back. The last segment of the morning. We'll hit the text box, the Betty Chevrolet text box. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Stay with us. Be right back. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. 
Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. This is when it gets real. College football, they remember what you do in November. November is great. But November also is a reminder that it's almost over because the first college football playoff rankings are going to come out. And uh, Rusty wanted to know our f- top six. I'll be honest, Rusty. Me and May agree or disagree here, but I. I've been all on Tennessee, following following Tennessee. I, of course, I watch every good game that I can outside of um, covering covering Tennessee. But I will say Michigan should be number one or Georgia over Georgia. You can put it, you can interchange those. It wouldn't really matter to me, honestly. Um, but you can put those guys right there at one and two. I think at, at number three. Uh, I would I would roll with uh, Florida State over Ohio State, and I would roll with, with Washington, um, right there. And then I think the first one loss team needs to be Oregon. What they did to Washington, uh, I think Texas probably should be in front of 
Alabama. Texas' only loss is to the Oklahoma team in a in a rivalry game. Um, but I think I think my six would be the same six that are um, listed right now in the AP top twenty five. I I would I wouldn't change any team. Now you can change the order if you want to, but that would be my top six. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I would have the same top six as the AP poll currently, but I, I would definitely change the order. I'd have Georgia one. I'd have Washington second. Mm. I think Washington's resume is more impressive than Michigan yeah. and Ohio State's. Uh, and but the problem is, I'd have to kick somebody out of the top four. I, I think personally, for me, I, I think I would kick out Ohio State. They they haven't necessarily passed the eye test for me. To this point in the season, uh, their, their win over Penn State recently was was impressive. But outside of that, they, they've kind of been skating by. Uh, they, they they had the road win over Notre Dame as well. Uh, so so they do have some nice wins. It's just they they're not pretty to watch. But hey, they're, they're winning football games, and and that's all that matters at at the end of the day. But I think I'd go Georgia, Washington, Michigan, Florida State as my top four, and then have. Ohio State fifth and Oregon sixth. Yeah, I I think the sixth are right, and I think at the end of the day, like Georgia and Ohio State is going to cancel each other out. Um, excuse me, Michigan and Ohio State is going to cancel each other out. There's a lot of football that's going to be played. It's going to work out, and it's going to shake out that the top, you know, four teams will will probably be the right four teams. Um, it's normally been like that since we switched over to the college football playoff. But uh, I think those six are the right six. You can change the order if you want to, but I think those are the, are the right six. Uh, going to the text box, how excited are y'all for basketball season? Connect looks legit. Psh, dude. Um, Tennessee did what they did without Zakai Ziegler and Santi, two all-SEC players. And I know it's 947 right now. We could do a whole nother show on this basketball team. Um, that was a great atmosphere. That was a great um, performance by our new players. There's a lot to correct for turnovers, but man, that was that was great. And don't let don't let these Michigan State fans try to make it seem like, oh, well, we know that was y'all Super Bowl. Stop trying to play both sides of the fence. Kentucky football fans, you do the same thing. Stop doing this. Stop making videos pissed off that you lost. But then also saying, well, we know know how much y'all care about the game and how's y'all Super Bowl. So you're not supposed to be excited about winning the game? So are you saying that your your team sucks and we shouldn't be excited about playing and and, and beating a team that stinks? Like, we're going to beat UConn this weekend, okay? And I can promise you no one's going to be celebrating the way that we celebrate after beating Texas A&M in Kentucky. So as a Kentucky fan, you should feel good about your program that teams are happy that they beat you. That means you're better. There was a point in time that the players didn't celebrate beating Kentucky because it was understood. It just happened because you stunk so bad. Stop trying to play both sides of the fence, man. Like You sound ridiculous. You really do. Guys oh, are happy man. when they win. 
I, I don't understand why Michigan State would be calling out Tennessee when I saw a little they, bit. They, they they sold out the arena and, and, and they seem to be Dude. acting as if it was a big basketball game as well. Dude. Perfect point. Like, wait. Y'all showed up like it was a national championship game. Now I'm glad that they showed up because it was for the Maui efforts and, and it was for a great cause, but stop trying to make yourself feel good about losing by trying to demean the team that won. Well, you know, we, 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 it was your Super Bowl. So, I mean, like, that's the stupid stuff Spencer Rattler said. Bro, you lost. You lost. Something that you tried to avoid doing. You wanted to win. This is why you prepared. This is why you practice. This is why you play hard. But you lost. Don't try to demean the win, the winner. Don't try to downplay the significance of the win for the winner when you just lost. I don't get why people do that. It's weak. It is weak sauce to me. Checking the text box out, Bill. Uh, while we do that, make sure, and I was having a really good conversation with one of our callers about this time of the year, how important it is uh, to make sure you, you, you take care of your mentals. And um, mind, body, wellness here in Knoxville. They are accessible. They are affordable. They are available. Um, they offer a really, really unique uh, and cool approach to mental health uh, therapy. It's healthcare that works for you. Specialized approach to, to care. Um, you can make appointments online at mindbodyknoxville.com. You can schedule a mental wellness assessment. Uh, they will design a plan for your mental wellness. And that's super important as we approach you know, days where they're going to be shorter. The sun's not going to be out uh, as much. And so uh, we have veterans. Um, you know, we have older people that tend to, to be alone more this time of the year. And take care of yourself. Take care of your, your, your mentals. Um, use your resources. Mind, body, wellness, and Knoxville's resource for you. That is mindbodyknoxville.com. Um, Benjamin, have you found have y'all found y'all a house yet to move into? Not yet, but Knoxville? we are putting Jennifer Morris to work. There, there's no doubt about that. And uh, we we are trying to we we love our first home that we bought but with with a baby due in march gonna have two under two we got a dog it, it's uh it, it's already time to to find a bigger house and we are certainly putting jennifer morris to work and you can also put jennifer morris to work if you are in the market to to buy or rent or, or do whatever you want to do in real estate i say it all the time jennifer is the absolute best and, and there is a reason that that i use jennifer as well f with my family uh so Again, can't encourage you enough to to reach out to Jennifer uh, if you have any questions uh, about real estate. And, and Jennifer is really doing it big now. It's not just for people in East Tennessee or, or looking to move to East Tennessee. Uh, you you can check out our new website, nextmovesmokymountains.com. Uh, you, you can search for homes, check out info about Tennessee communities and, and connect with her. And uh, 
She she will take all the stress of of anything real estate away from your life. And and, and I think that's the, the best part about what Jennifer does and the, the most that, that you can ask for. So uh, get in touch with Jennifer to to accomplish all of your real estate aspirations. Love it. Love it. Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Uh, last but not least, as we uh, exit today, Hiller has a $99 drain cleaning special. So take advantage of that. Also, half off HVAC tune-ups going on uh, for the rest of this month, which is today. Happy Halloween to everyone. Uh, be safe. Be careful. Um, be careful with that dad tax, guys, out there trying to take the kids' candy. Um, Snickers, Twix, M&M's. Be careful out there, dads. Be careful. Ben, anything you want to add before uh, we wrap up today's program? Nope. I uh, enjoyed the weekend. Fun weekend for Tennessee athletics with, with football and basketball picking up big wins. Basketball back in action tonight against Lenore Ryan in uh, the, the second and final exhibition of the preseason their regular season opener is a week from today they'll play tennessee tech next tuesday night at 6 30 uh, tonight's game is also at 6 30 will not be on tv will be streamed on sec network plus and uh, football sh- should pick up a, a fairly easy win th- this saturday uh, as it turns the corner to, to big to two big upcoming games against missouri and, and georgia following that and Baseball back in action this weekend in in Nashville over at the Sound Stadium, uh, playing Sanford in their second and final uh, exhibition of the fall as well. So busy time for for Tennessee athletics and look forward to uh, talking with you on Thursday once again. Even the Lady Balls are in action. Picked up a a big uh, exhibition win over Carson Newman last night uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Uh, so uh, a lot going on in the Tennessee athletics world and always looking forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays with you, my friend. Swain event fueled by dead end barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. We'll be back on Thursday. Peace and much love. We are out.